Hey, grab a seat. Let's get a cup of coffee. Welcome to JSP in the morning. Whether you're listening at home, in your car, or just lounging, Vince and Zach are here to chill with you and talk about the world of DJing. We're connecting to couples, inspiring DJs, and sharing some stories on personal growth and hoping you'll get some real-world value out of our conversations. So grab your favorite mug, pour your best coffee, and hang out with us. Let's enjoy this time together. It's Vince, Zach, and JSP in the morning. So, Stumptown Coffee Roasters, I think they're out of Seattle, right? It's gotta be here somewhere. Portland, Oregon. Ooh. Hey, <laughs> Nice! Love the cold brew. Cheers. Cheers. Alright. Are we recording? I'm recording. <laughs> oh, wow, that's delicious. Yeah. You can get Stumpton. it at Fresh Time. Stumpton at Fresh Time. A lot of name drops here. That's really good. It's better than that shitty Kirkland stuff that we have. Yep. These cans. If, can this, really, is, can uh, this is a $4 bottle of coffee. So if you were to take a, buy a cold brew and you put it into a mug and then you heat it up, would you lose the integrity of the cold brew? Anytime you warm coffee up, it does. Well, maybe they just chose of- a coffee that they knew that wasn't acidic that would do well as a cold brew. But technically, you could still heat it up. Well, if you heat coffee up, it it adds another level of acidity. Oh. Like if you brew coffee and then it's, you know, it's cold and then you warm it back up, it still has it has a little bit more acidity. I didn't know that. I don't understand coffee at all. It's not my not my forte. Beer, alcohol, vodka, bourbon. I got you. Get it. I think this is a good way to start the podcast off. Maybe. Yes. What's up, everyone? Hello. Another episode of JSP in the morning. Good morning. Uh, it's great to be here, DJ Vince K. Feels great. Vince K. Vince K. Vince K. DJ Z2C. What do you got going on tonight? Uh, so today is Tuesday. Is the second Tuesday of uh, month. So I'll be at Jorgensen Farms tonight. Uh, they do a tasting for all their couples on the second Tuesday of every month. And uh, they allow couples that are going to be having their weddings there in the later part of the year choose what their entrees are. So I get to play some nice music in the background and uh, converse with the members and of, of Jorgensen Farms and as well as maybe scoop up maybe some last minute couples that haven't found a DJ just yet. So I get to dress to impress today and get some uh, delicious food at the end too. So The food is always amazing at Jorgensen. It's the food, man. They're probably, honestly, like, I mean, there are some specific catering companies out there, but I'm telling you right now, Jorgensen Farms just kills it in the food, in my opinion. The food, and I think, I think every picture that I've taken at Jorgensen, any social media content I've gotten out there has always been awesome. It's just one of those venue spaces that, you know, we talked about this a little bit in our last podcast, but it's one of those spaces that um, I think is kind of home base for us. It's iconic. Yep. <clears throat> it's definitely iconic. And um, not to mention, too, uh, I feel like every time I've taken like a reel or I've done like some type of social media post, I get like a ton of likes because it's in Drogans Farms just resonates with so many people. What's your favorite food item at Drogans? Mm, the filet is my favorite. The filet, it's good. 
the short ribs or the tornellini pasta. It's my jam. I think it's Josh's favorite, the, the pasta. The pasta is? I think so. Or the, or the short ribs. I think I have the same commonality there. This yeah. is so good. I'm also a big fan of the lavender lemonade. Have you had that? It's scrumptious. It's really good. I think they, I actually prefer though their strawberry basil lemonade instead. And now we're in winter season right now and they make the dopest hot chocolate. Oh, the apple cider too? I think we just need to go and work at Jorgensen. <laughs> they are five minutes from the office. We could just hang out there whenever we're bored. Part-time job. Yeah, why not? It's not like we have enough going on already. No, not at all. But anyways, uh, welcome, of course, JSP in the morning. We're excited to be here. Uh, this episode is brought to you by and sponsored by Pursuit uh, Men's clothing down in the short north so if you are a gentleman that is looking to get into a suit go and visit the short north go to pursuit they're fantastic people uh, we love their clothing so get yourself down there now all right so first segment of the day is vince's pro tip so pro tip of the day uh obviously we are in winter i'm gonna go with the pro tip on the cold brew always have you know a bottle or two of cold brew just hanging around the office space or at the house always cold in case you don't want to make another cup of coffee but you still want that coffee taste uh, and to pair with the cold brew oat milk oatly has awesome oat milk that pairs really well with that cold brew sounds delicious try it out okay so q a of the week our first question ever on the podcast is from one of our own, Joe Marr. We've talked about him on the podcast. We're going to have him on here sometime soon, too. We've got a couple of good stories that we want to tell. Absolutely. He is uh, quite the charmer uh, at his wedding, so I definitely want to hear some more stories from him. So, Zach, what uh, what does Joe Marr said? What's he want to hear? So, Jamar's question is, simply put, uh, he's wondering what are really great songs that keep the dance floor packed but yet also still bring a uniqueness to that wedding. Love that. Okay, let's break this down into a couple of different sections. Uh, I think, you know, wedding dance floors, uh, thinking about them, formatting them, programming them. Uh, let's talk about, you know, the first hour, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. Those are like the family, you know, family pleasers, right? And then there's the the second 30 minutes to an hour, which is kind of like your, almost like your headlining set, right? You have an opening set and then you have your headlining set. And then it can go either way from there, right? That if you have a, a three hour dance floor, it can either go to more like, you know, uh, more of a, you know, soul R&B type of vibe, or you can move into a sing-along vibe, or if you have a really, really good crowd, move into EDM hits. So breaking it down into first hour, what, uh, Zach, for you is that first hour song that just kills? So first hour of songs, this is a great opportunity to be able to introduce some really fun, lively music to all ages and demographics, as we talked about. I, I refer to them as parent pleaser songs, uh, but yet they don't have to be so old and obscure anymore that they don't necessarily get the headline attention from a younger crowd as well. Uh, there's some really great remixes out there that keep the integrity of an original song alive. So such as like September or We Are Family or Ain't No Mountain High Enough. These are all great songs, but if you play just the original of it, it just, it kind of, 
Uh, it's very lackluster, so there's some really great remixes out there that have good backbone, redrummed beats that keeps everyone out on the dance floor. I'm not saying that those songs specifically to answer Jamar's question. Uh, so honestly, one of the one of my go-to's as of recently uh, during the beginning of the night is probably like fourth this song in. Uh, I play the original mix of Getting Jiggy With It. Um, it's just fun. It it has a lot of uh, great movement to it. I usually stick around for about one verse, uh, probably one verse and two choruses of it, and then I'm out of it. But it's still fun. It's it brings back uh, some good nostalgic memories from people, um, and it's still pretty relevant to a younger crowd too. So I would say that's probably one of my go-to's. Okay. Yeah. What about you? So one song that's been really hitting well within that first hour is Gimme Gimme by ABBA. It's a great, it's a great song. Uh, I've even noticed, uh, I've gotten a lot of success with playing um, some really good, like re-drummed or even some original mixes of Madonna as well. Ooh, yeah. Uh, the Hot Stuff Kygo remix. That's a good one. Madonna Summer, yeah. That's I, a great one. I like to play that within the first hour because it's, it's that like blend of traditional with uh, of relevancy but i think that first hour we'll probably talk about this on another podcast but there's so much you can do with that it's where you're reading the crowd you're seeing what people are vibing to uh you're you're getting some of those must plays must plays out and seeing how they're how they're hitting with everyone and then from that point on that's real really where the creative aspect of djing comes in because it it forces you to think creatively on your feet and play that dope next track i completely agree and I still want to keep Jamar's question integrity in the sense that of what's delivering uniqueness. And I think that uh, uniqueness comes into a couple of different forms. The first one is how you are personally branding yourself as a DJ. So you want to be able to keep the integrity of yourself and what you want to bring to the table alive. And then that's also coming down to the planning pro the process with that couple, like leading into the wedding day. So things that I specifically do to help ensure that uniqueness is at the very end, after we talk about must plays and do not plays, I always say, hey, where are you on the EDM scale side of things? Like, are you one, we want original tracks only, or are you at 10, like I love the Lost Lands and the dubstep, like where do you fit in within that? And so then going from there, my uniqueness to the dance floor comes into play because I can play fun, old decade, top 40 music that has uh, some type of re-drummed or re-beated quality to it that still has a lot of integrity of the song. But I'm also being able to immediately incorporate right from the get-go, like literally within the first 20 minutes, exactly the kind of DJ that I'm gonna be for you in the evening. Uh, so I think that, you know, since Jamar is a really qualified DJ and he's been doing this for a long time. I know that me saying that sounds might might sound kind of trivial to him, but for other viewers, I think that's what's really important is making sure that you establish your style of who you are as a DJ within the parameter that your couples are allowing you right from the get-go. That's an awesome point. And a lot of that comes down to, you know, the digging that you do on the back end for the, the music that you're playing. Every DJ has their own style, right? They have this, um, this attraction to certain genres of music and that uh, no matter what event you're doing I think some of that personal style comes out uh, my, like my style for example um, is very like short edit acapella in acapella out type edits so it gives me freedom to 
do mashups without really changing the structural integrity of the actual song. The you know the song is original for you know that a verse and a chorus, uh, and then you can do a mashup with a you know an eight bar intro into another track. But another cool thing is like finding those finding those really dope remixes uh, and finding creative ways to introduce those songs. So doing word plays, tone plays, and adding like another level of anticipation with the music. Uh, I, I think that's that's my personal style, and I think you, Zach, tend to lean more on that electronic style. You want to play songs out and mix them together rather than like scratch a track in. You're gonna you know loop a track kind of introduce that intro for a second and then at the perfect time switch it it's perfectly phrased and it like it maintains that same level of energy and it really creates a cool moment on the dance floor absolutely i'm a huge blender uh and i think that because of the type of style that you have i think that you revert immediately almost to anywhere between like those like 90 to like 110 BPM style, but you bring so much energy by being able to establish the Aka ins and the Aka outs and being able to scratch in and out because that creates dynamic and that creates like uh, attention to the difference, the dance floor, like people know something actively is happening. And sometimes playing BPMs that, you know, of that, of that range immediately from the get-go sometimes can almost seem like low energy to some people but you bring a high energy to it so like me i'm bringing 125 bpm slowing down into 120 i ramp it back up and then i dip back down into the the 90s and the 100s once i get people pretty comfortable and established on the dance floor so everyone's got their own thing now i want to be able to still maintain jamar's question in text so what has been a good mix for you recently that you have done a really fun Aka in, Aka out, or a scratch in, scratch out? What's something that's working for you right now that you're really liking, that's bringing energy to the dance floor? Okay, so one of my favorite tracks right now is uh, is No Friends in the Industry. And then I love to use a short edit of that. So once it hits the chorus, I jump to the last chorus. And then the eight bar outro, I'll drop in an acapella of going down by young jock and then i'll uh, i'll put my echo effect on let that loop for four bars and then i'll mix in sugar we're going down but it's a remix of it so it has a hip-hop beat underneath it and then once i drop that sugar we're going down it word plays from going down uh, into the chorus of sugar we're going down and man that hits every single time on the dance floor it is it is like one of my favorite move into alt rock types of songs uh, while still having that like hip hop vibe. And like hip hop, you can go from, you know, hip hop to house to to rock um, kind of pretty easily uh, in that like in that time period. So that's that's my three song mix that it's really successful for me. What do you have? That's awesome. Uh, I really like that a lot, just simply because you're being able to introduce a couple different genres while still staying along the same lines of integrity of, of, of the theme. Um, in term, you're, you're playing different genres, but you're not playing different genres because you're still maintaining a certain type of hip hop beep. So it's getting people like still like, in the flow and you're not giving them necessarily the most craziest like genre whiplash. So that's really awesome. And I've heard you play it. It's awesome. It's definitely really cool. Um, and it, again, brings uniqueness to the dance floor and it establishes your brand immediately. So if you play that, even if you might not be the very first song that you whip out, you know, of the day, but like it might be that last song of the hour, that first hour. And that's when you kind of establish the, 
your presence. And I like that. So recently what really works for me on a DJ perspective, especially when it comes to weddings, uh, this sounds a little bit cliche, uh, but I'm going to explain myself a little bit. And it really allows me to figure out where I go from here because there's like about four other songs that I can go straight from this song. So I like We Are Family, uh, Sister Sledge. This is a Luca uh, Debonair and DJ Marlon remix. Uh, it's been around for quite some time. Uh, I know that a lot of our DJs here on the JSP team use it. I know that I've, he I've heard it before in other places before. So it has a really great backbone beat to it. It is, or brings out kind of like that housey vibe without it being housey. Um, so the reason why I play this is because first off, you know, in wedding settings, you're bringing two new families to the group. And I, I just, I think that that is just a really great opportunity when we bring people out to the dance floor to feel like they can now dance as one. You know, this, people are strangers to each other at these weddings. So I just think that like, it kind of just takes off this uh, veil of uncertainty of knowing who each other are. And I just enjoy the fact that we are family really kind of breaks down that barrier. So again, it seems cliche, Seems like it's played out, but I think this particular remix that I use is one that definitely asserts my branding in terms of like, I like to use something that will be a little bit more upbeated. Um, and then from here, that's basically when I watch the crowd, once then, you know, everything takes off, I can kind of go a couple different directions. But again, like Vince said, I, I beat match and I also loop things in. So I'm able to bring in other stuff. My other songs right now that I love, uh, the two versions, I, I play this live within the first hour and I play them back to back. Um, I play a really awesome remix of Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. It's a uh, slim uh, TLM remix. And then I go into um, Staying Alive. So I will survive and Staying Alive, back to forth. Uh, it's also been kind of funny just because like we went through COVID uh, and it's like, you just want to make sure that you're getting through COVID. And so it's just kind of funny how it's like, you know, we're, we're, we're staying alive and I will survive. And so I do the staying alive into I will survive back to back. And it's like a 120 BPM, like house version of it. And it's still, again, the integrity of the song is still alive. It's still there. Uh, but my goal is, as I continue throughout the night and if I revisit house music later on, how many couples or how many individuals past their like 40s can I keep on the dance floor? And I think that if I integrate certain types of housey related songs that still have the integrity of oldies incorporated with it, they almost fall in love with that beat. And so then later on, if I can get them to like dance to a more modern day house song, if I can get like a, my goal is to like get like a grandmother just like throwing down like on a Fisher house song, that'd be awesome. We'll see, wishful thinking. We'll make it happen. It'll, it'll at least happen at, at one wedding. I, I love those weddings that, you know, grandma gets up on the groom's shoulders and they raise her up in a chair and she's out there rocking to, uh, rocking to house music and EDM. And it's possible. It doesn't always work that way. And I don't want to, I don't want to pigeonhole myself. That's someone that's always just trying to play house music. That's by no means necessary. I play every genre and every format, but again, going back to it. I like the fact that if I can assert my branding immediately, I will try to do it. And then I'm willing to, you know, take my foot off the pedal, get back to what, you know, people really like in terms of weddings, obviously reading the crowd and figuring out what's working for them. And if I can just push the, if I can push the envelope a little bit harder later on in the evening, then I'm going to do it. And I want to see what works. And if it doesn't work, then that's okay. I'm going to back off. 
You know, it's funny that you say that. Reading the crowd, I think that's uh, that's our topic for the day. So seeing uh, seeing how people react to music, um, and you know, I think a lot of that jumps back to uh, the planning process, right? So the the planning process, we really we really start talking about uh, the demographic of the crowd, right? The age group. I think the cool thing about the planning meetings is that you get to really talk to the couple about their their friend group, their family group, their wedding party. And uh, with that, you really get an idea before the wedding even starts what it looks like. Start programming your sets. And, uh, you know, really the, the programming really kicks in at cocktail hour. That cocktail hour mix, I think, is so important because it, it sets the precedent for the type of party that's going to happen later on. You make a great point about the planning meeting process. No professional DJ goes to any venue and does not know what they're walking into. I mean, and if they do, and if they pull it off and they end up having a great set, then like kudos to them. And But to me, like, you know, whether you're playing downtown, whether you're playing at a big show, um, any professional artist is gonna understand like, okay, what's my what's my demographic here? What are the songs that are popular within within my area? Uh, so by us doing a planning meeting, you know, and by, you know, kind of a pro tip to all their DJs out there, uh, or even, honestly, even if you're just someone who's playing like a house party, uh, you got to understand who your guests are. And you don't really go into it without asking questions first. So our planning meetings are definitely infused with being able to say, hey, uh, you know, Tell me about your wedding party, as you mentioned. Like, tell me about your 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 parents. Like, what you know, what do they listen to, and what, what's something that they enjoy? Because we want to make sure everyone feels incorporated and, and included. And yeah, it's a great precursor. We already kind of know right from the get go. Like, okay, this is the wide variety of music that's going to be asked, and also what's going to be played. So now the next step is to realize when those when the action is happening, when open dancing is going on. You know, you already have these predetermined songs that are in your arsenal, so it helps. Yeah, those songs are in the set, and uh, you know, the must-play list. I, I think some DJs look at the must-play list as a curse, and I look at it as a blessing. You, the couple is literally telling you what they want to want to hear, and most of the time, it's also what uh, their guest list wants to hear as well, because. Those must-play songs are songs that they connected with their friends with. They were out partying at a bar, and everybody at the bar started singing along. Uh, those college hits, those high school hits, uh, those are the things that are going to go off. You know, it's been really crazy to me, and this is not, I mean, it's not completely off topic, but so during our planning processes, I know that Vince is like this, you know, at the end, when we talk about do not plays and must plays, I always simply say, all right, cool. So I first asked them their years of high school graduation. Uh, it's statistically proven that most of your musical taste has been driven uh, at the age of like 12, 13. Uh, so you want to be able to identify what those popular songs were at that time. And then not to mention too, I, so there's a couple of random questions I ask. Again, I said the EDM scale, like I said earlier. And then in this instance, I always talk about like, yeah, what's that pregame song that you listen to? What was that anthem song that you listened to when you were heading out with your girls? Or what were the songs that you guys were listening to with your guys? Like, was there anything that like, amped you guys up? And it doesn't, not every couple has one, but every now and then there are like people know for a fact, like this has to be played. And they didn't think about it unless I asked that question. And I love that because it also determines what other music from that spider webs out that's popular too. I'm gonna contribute a nugget to that. 
one of the secrets I learned early on in the DJ space is to uh, is to get there super early and set up as fast as possible, and then hang out near the wedding party space. And in that wedding party space, um, most of the time they have a speaker going on, and they're playing music that they want to hear. And I uh, I've been taking a speaker and giving it to the wedding party and taking an iPad that's, that has a crap ton of music on it and letting them select, you know, select music on there or they can hook their phones up to the speaker. And then I hear them playing that music during, you know, you know, prep time. And they pretty much tell me what they want to dance to. And I'll set, I'll like set my assistant out there. And I'll say, hey man, like make a list of 15 to 20 songs that they just played. And from that point on, that's one of my one of my secret nuggets. Uh, my second secret nugget, and I'm I'm starting to get jazzed on coffee now. To really focus on that doors open time period, that is literally my secret sauce. Uh, I've spent so much time programming a a really solid crate with awesome doors open music that you know gives me the opportunity to read the room. Uh, and I think there's a lot going on during those doors open. Uh, time periods, right? Like the DJ is lining up the wedding party, making sure all of the other vendors are in the right place at the right time. And uh, I think there's something to having an assistant that can mix, but if not, like pre-record a, you know, pre-record a, uh, you know, a 15 minute doors open mix and have like, have a bunch of them, you know, you can test out, but always make sure that you can like mix out of it because that's gonna be, you know, that's gonna be really, really big if you have a kind of a couple preset mixes ready to go just in case. Um, and if you're a solo guy going out doing weddings, you obviously can't mix and uh, line up the wedding party at the same time. So doors open playlist for the win. I love that. Um... It's fun. It's crazy how you actually go above and beyond and actually provide them a speaker and an iPad. I never even considered to do that in my past. But yeah, plenty of times you're at the venue, you hear the music in the background, you already kind of get an idea of like, okay, what are some of those songs? Uh, the other great thing too in this instance is always be on the lookout and keep your ears open for clues to what they're going to enjoy on the dance floor. Uh, so a song that I heard recently... Um, never even considered to play it, um, but it's basically during a toast, someone was talking about how their biggest memory together, and this is a maid of honor, mind you, so it's a maid of honor speaking about the bride and saying, like, you know, our memories were shared because we sang karaoke every week and her song was Zombie by the Cranberries. Now, during the planning meeting, that was never established. That was never talked about. Like, that didn't even come to mind. But literally, I'm standing behind the DJ booth, and I would be remiss if I did not take the time and go on. If I had Wi-Fi, which I did in this instance, I went on and literally downloaded a cut-down version of Zombie by the Cranberries, and I basically waited for that opportune time. The moment where there's 15 gals on the dance floor, they're all huddled around the bride, and all of a sudden, boom, you just drop it. And it's like, you realize that you're, they're already enjoying themselves and now it is, you know, flashback karaoke time. And so being, you know, being receptive and listening to what is happening and during toasts or anything that's mentioned, or even like if you just hear someone talk about music and like in passing, 
take that opportunity and find a way to incorporate it into the dance floor because I guarantee you they're going to be like, how did they know to do it? I'd be like, well, you said it. You didn't realize it. But I like that. I love doing that. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about cocktail hour. Doors open. Um, I think dinner music is important too. And I think about a wedding a wedding day in, in you know three different pieces, right? You have you have the pregame during cocktail hour. Uh, I look at, at doors open like cocktail hour. Um, it's just an extension of cocktail hour, but obviously you want there to be a separation in you know separation in the energy of the rooms, right? Like people are leaving the cocktail space and coming into another space for uh, for dinner, but you're about ready to you know, get a, get the entire room crazy, right? Like the entire space is about to go crazy. They're gonna cheer as loud as they can for the new couple. And, you know, you set, the, you set the vibe early on. As soon as they walk in, you just start hitting them with bangers. Like this is where I'm spending a ton of my dance floor stuff at that like, I want, I want, I want people dancing as soon as they walk in the room. Like I want there to be excitement and I want to see people having an awesome time, you know, dancing before anything even starts. So what I do, after that, after I go through introductions, I really like to take the energy down after intros and then create moments with dinner. Uh, obviously speeches are gonna happen during dinner. And then as we move closer to speeches, I wanna get people um, energized again, right? Like they just got a ton of food. Um, so we gotta get the metabolism working. Obviously we want them to get more alcohol in their system because that's what's gonna keep the party fun later on. And- Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think I heard this from Jeff Scott Gold, but uh, one of like the late dinner bangers that he likes to play is uh, is Bedrock, and I dropped that at my wedding three weeks ago, and you know right before our toasts, the entire room was singing it. It was insane, and it was just one of those awesome experiences that you could tell like that's the kind of music that I'm playing during open dancing just off of that. Um, so you know. Warming people up for open dancing is, you know, it's basic programming. Uh, you know, bars and nightclubs do the same thing, right? You you get people warmed up, get them excited. Uh, you hit them with a banger. Then they go to the bar, grab another drink, and then warm them back up, hit them with another banger. And then you just keep doing that over and over again. Um, and alcohol is, is sometimes the DJ's best friend in the dance floor process. It certainly can be. It can also be their worst enemy too, but... Uh, with that being said, you made a great point. You know, we are told before, and I've mentioned this to, to couples, and I think I've said this in bio videos, but there is nothing better. I said this in our, our, I think our first episode together. Uh, you know, I've had couples come up to me at the end of the night and they're like, wow, I forgot that I was at a wedding. I felt like I was at a club. And it's like, that's awesome. That's my goal. I want that to happen. Uh, but I can't make that happen unless I help ease them into that position. And, um, you, it's all about the basic programming at the end of the day and finding ways to incorporate throwbacks and, and new stuff in top 40. And um, with that being said, you know, you said it earlier, like in a club setting, like when you go and DJ downtown or you DJ somewhere, most of the time, the club manager is going to keep you within a certain parameter of what you can and can't play. And they're not doing that to limit you uh, and you know to constrict you they're doing it because it's a winning formula that is designed to ease people into the evening and eventually you reach that one point in the night where yes you could flip it over play a really awesome bang or something that's really upbeat and then by the end of the night you're supposed to be playing high energy songs only 
and then if you want people to get out of your bar, then you kind of slow it down and you kind of like get people those few sing-alongs to kind of finish out the night. It's really no different than how we operate here at JSP for weddings. But it also comes down to the wedding couple. Some, I talk to my couples all the time during planning meetings and say, hey, end of the night, what are we doing? I mean, how how am I going to facilitate your crowd at the end of the night? Am I pushing them all out? Are you doing a, sing, you know, a single solo, you know, slow dance song by yourselves? Or do you want to do sing-alongs? Do you want to, you know, crush it high energy to the end. Like, what do you want to do? And I know right from then and there, like, this is what we want. This is where we're going with this. And I go, great. Awesome. I'm going to be able to accommodate to that. And, uh, so really if you're someone who's in the club scene or working in bars and you're thinking about doing weddings, um, when you're working with your couples, just find out what your parameters are and figure out the time periods throughout the night of when and what you should stay within. And that's how you develop your personal uniqueness. That's how you keep your branding intact. But then at the same time, you're delivering exactly what they've asked for, uh, just like a club manager would. Now, one last point I think I had uh, on, the, on the dance floor, reading the crowd, is to you know, uh, constantly watch people while they're dancing. Uh, I was listening to a podcast earlier this morning with Digital Dave and DJ Conflict. And Dave said, when he first started DJing, he had the habit of after every song that he played, he would look at the dance floor and see how people reacted to it. And I think there's something to that. There's something to seeing how people react to every every song that you play and what parts of the songs they're reacting to. Uh, and we are in the TikTok, Instagram reel era of playing short edits, playing the hook first, uh, playing a hook and a chorus. And that's, you know, that's the way that uh, I think dance floors are really thriving now is, is being able to move through uh, move through the entire night really quickly. You keep people energized uh, and you add that extra Instagram flavor into your sets. Absolutely. And uh, it really makes or breaks a wedding, uh, generally makes it, especially when you crush it. And that's the reason why people ask you specifically to come and do their wedding day in and day out. Uh, it's it's truly remarkable to be able to deliver some type of style that someone's seeking and then having someone else in that that group of people that are like, you're gonna DJ a wedding. And you're like, okay, when is it? And they're like, I don't know yet, but you're gonna DJ it one day. And then like it happens all of a sudden. It's literally happened to me. It's really, really cool. And if it wasn't for reading the crowd, and if it wasn't for me you know, delivering my personal style, that would've never happened. And so that's why there's a, there's a something really special about delivering your own personal uniqueness and being able to read the crowd in your own specific way and ultimately delivering the best night of someone's life of a lot of people's lives that leave them talking about it forever and again that's weddings that's corporate events that's bars i mean you are someone who is setting the tone like i always thought it was cool that like i potentially could have been the reason i could have played a song at the right time the right place that could have been the reason why a two individuals collided into each other. I might have been the reason for a first kiss. I might have been the reason for, you know, someone asked someone out. Like there's so much chemistry involved with our job and that's what's so special about it. And that's why this topic is so special because reading the crowd and seeing every individual person in the room that you're working with is they're all being brought into your world and you're helping like 
put that energy back out to them. And it's so cool. So uh, that is all the time that we have today. Uh, reading the crowd with DJ Vince K and with myself, DJ Z2C. It was a pleasure being on this episode. Awesome. Will you guys go out and crush today? See you guys next week. Absolutely. We'll see you soon. Oh, that was good. That wraps this episode of JSP in the Morning. Keep up with Vince and Zach between episodes on Instagram at VKenjo, at V-K-E-N-D-J-O, and at DJZ2C, at DJZ, the number two, C. JSP in the Morning is brought to you by Josh Staley Productions. Experience excellence. And see us all in action on Instagram. Follow at Josh Staley Productions. Thanks for listening. See you next time.